podcast where we discuss theology from reformed perspective and generally nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be talking about the Americanization of, of Christianity in America. Wow, that was a great way to put that. <laughs> um, talk about Americanized Christianity. I'm on top of it tonight, folks. And then for our nerdy topic, I have a surprise for Mark, so you guys don't get to know yet what that's going to be, so yeah. you'll just have to hang around and find out. Don't get your hopes up too high, though. I will lead with that. So, with that said, let's go ahead and, and get into our weeks. Mark, how has your week been so far? Uh, my week has been interesting. Because you haven't seen me. I understand. It's heartbreaking. I mean, that's true. I haven't seen you. But, no, on Saturday... So, so my wife sells Cinegents, which is... Uh, a bunch of like makeup it's for stuff. seances yeah no it's a bunch of makeup stuff and in january she was setting her her goal for like sales and parties and all that kind of stuff and she asked me at the beginning of the month if she met she had her goal and she was like if i meet all these different things would you be willing to get a makeover at the end of the month and i was like yeah sure whatever didn't really think that much about it i don't recommend that uh, so the end of the month rolled around, and she met all of her goals. So, on Saturday, she recorded giving me a makeover. And she posted, I think she posted it in Arrow 204. Um, I know it's on YouTube, but she posted it in some different Facebook groups, and I think ours was one of them. But, nonetheless, that was that was my Saturday night, was having my wife put makeup on my face and I didn't enjoy myself. I regretted it the second that we sat down to start Mark recording. Mark makes a very, very beautiful woman. <laughs> I, There's I, probably too many varies there, but it was shocking. He looked like a bearded lady. I looked like and a bearded really lady. Lindsay did really well. Um, Which makes me wonder circus. if bearded women are actually bearded women or women that Lindsay put makeup on. <laughs> I mean, men, not women. She put men. men she put makeup men, on. She put makeup on. Who knows? Uh, so that was that was my Saturday. Um, other than that, I we worked on getting our apartment cleaned up and still getting stuff set up in the baby's room. And um, Lindsay, we're kind of waiting to see. Lindsay's got another appointment this week for with the doctor. Figure out how everything's going there. But man, I really I don't think she's gonna make it to to april when the due date is I, I have i would be shocked if she carries this baby full term i don't expect that to happen <laughs> she's just it's been crazy and she's the baby's been growing so much and um you can now see the baby moving like looking at her stomach and i i'm constant like if i've got my arm around Lindsay or whatever then i'm constantly feeling the baby push and kick and move and it's it's get it's because it dude. wants you to get away that's what it is yeah um so we're we're excited i'm dude i'm just excited to hold my daughter it's gonna be so mm. awesome um 
Yeah, that'll like be that, amazing. That's why that's my main reason for wanting the pregnancy to be over. It'll be nice that Lin, that Lindsay's going to feel better and she's going to be able to to do a little more. Um, Plus, I'll be able to teach your daughter how to play GTA. Yeah. For one game, like all kids idea. should know. <laughs> uh, Lindsay suggested because so you got GTA on PS4 because yep. you're you have this time right now between before you start your new job. And Lindsay's at home on bed rest. And so we will be playing all the GTAs. Yeah, and you guys didn't play today because of servers, right? Yeah. Yep. So but hopefully tomorrow. When I was coming to start recording with you tonight, Lindsay suggested that um, we record a Twitch stream and just talk about total depravity again while playing GTA. I mean, it's a great example. <laughs> we can run over some prostitutes. We can shoot up some banks. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So we that is... we we chose not to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Although I do think we still need to live stream our first UFC 3 match. When that Live happens. stream our first UFC 3 match? Are yeah, we doing that tonight? we get around to doing that. I don't know. I'm down for it tonight if you are. I mean, as long as but my wife's okay with it. Say if not, we can do it sometime later in the week. Yeah. So. But, yeah, so, Aren't I mean, gonna... my, my week was pretty um, kind of crazy. It, it wasn't super over-the-top. Work was busy. Uh, yesterday was nuts at work. And uh, my brother and my dad are going to be visiting us this coming weekend, so that should be fun. Uh, Jake's got an audition at Michigan State University for their jazz program, and he's doing that on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, he and my dad are just going to hang out with, with Lindsay and me, so nice. it should be fun. Cool, cool, how cool. Is, how was your week? Thank you for asking. I thought you'd never get to it. Selfish. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, I like talking about good. myself. Like you said, I am. I had wrapped up my job at MoBap on last thursday party so, yeah it's, it's freedom <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um in a little bit of a transition period have a couple weeks before i start my new job and so basically just a couple weeks to relax and that'll be nice because once i start the new job it's gonna be pretty hectic just because the hours are a little awkward but it'll be good especially for while ashley's still working and i'm working because i'll be driving her to work, which means I'll be gone like 12 hours a day, five days a week. So that's going to be fun. Um, which I, I understand there are a lot of, a lot of guys who work 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. And so I don't mean to be complaining or anything like that, but I'm definitely grateful for the, um, couple weeks of, of just relaxing. And so yeah, I've been playing games, playing a lot of UFC three, um, been reading quite a bit too, which has been fun. I cranked three more books in this week and then, um, wound up, getting distracted by Mark's message there in the middle of my thing. Um, <laughs> he just messaged me an idea on Discord, which is good, and we will do that. But anyway. Um, I was trying not to yeah. like interrupt you. and the, It didn't this work. Is, this is the issue with no show notes or like little planning because, one, I don't even okay. know what our second topic is. And two, I know. We... <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Anyway, I like it. Um, but, yeah, so I've uh, been reading a lot which has been good. Pretty sure I read more over this weekend than I did all of last year because I've read about, I think I've read four books now this weekend and I read five all in all last year. I I started a lot of books. Like I got about halfway through a lot of books last year. I just didn't really ever finish any. Yeah. So I need to go back and probably finish some too. But yeah, so it's been nice. It's been relaxing. Um, We're getting some ice and stuff 
out here. It's supposed to get a decent chunk of snow tonight, so we'll see how all that goes. But overall, it's been a good week. Oh, dude, we got so much snow. You like so much snow. On mon- on Sunday, we got prob like Sunday night or sa- Saturday night into Sunday morning, we got probably I don't know four or five inches. And so driving to church was kind of crazy. I had to drive super slow. Um, and then yesterday we didn't get a ton, but we got a little bit, like a couple, probably two inches. And this morning when I got up and was walking outside to go to work, I didn't even realize how much snow there was. There was like another three and a half, four inches that had happened overnight. And it snowed all morning. It's it's pretty crazy. Nice. So much snow. So, yeah. Snow is nice when it's not keeping you trapped in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. I like the Rico idea. That's what Mark's message Reco. was that we should... Rico? No, Rico. Uncle Rico's Rico. idea? Have you ever watched Freaking Penguins? <laughs> um, dude, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I need to watch know, it again it's now. it's so funny. There you go. There's my recommendation. No. <laughs> that's your, Penguins of Madagascar is your recommendation. Penguins of Madagascar. No. <laughs> So here's my thoughts. And so, you know, in our typical no-shoat fashion, I think we should do one book recommendation and then one media recommendation. So media can cool. be TV show, movie, or video game. Oh, no, and I... then throw a book in there as well. And then you get, like, two sentences, so we keep it nice and short and to the point. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and throw That's my two out strict, really quick. but we'll, we'll roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just we just need to keep it short is my thoughts. Yeah. Um, so... Already Gathered by R.C. Sproul is going to be my book recommendation because that's one I just finished up. And it does a fantastic job of showing the errors within the Catholic Church while at the same time being gracious to to not demonize Catholics themselves. So that's my book recommendation. And then I'm actually going to give my media recommendation. I figured you weren't expecting to be UFC 3. I'm going to give it to Magnificent 7. I really enjoyed that movie last night. Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt. it It was really well done. I watched the one from the 90s a long time ago and remember it being super slow and boring, and they fixed those issues with this one. They kept the pace good, they kept the story good, and I thought it was a great movie. Nice. So, my two recos. Um, my book reco is actually going to be a series, which is um, the, long I- the rules. long line of godly men, which I've only read the first one of. My wife got me the whole set for Christmas. Um and the first one was phenomenal. It was on William Tyndale, but they have books on uh, Luther, Spurgeon, Wycliffe. I think Wycliffe's one. Um, not John Knox, Calvin, um, Whitfield. Like it goes. There's a huge list of. I think there's 20. There might not be a full 20, but there's a lot of them. Um, really good little kind of. They're not full biographies, but just kind of a good little summary of what each of these guys did, why it mattered. Um, it's a really, really neat book series, so I'm excited to read the rest of them. Uh, and then my media recommendation is actually going to be a computer application. Um, Interesting. Getting super nerdy. But uh, my recommendation is screen. It's called Screenpresso. And so it's... And I've had a super, I'll have to tell I've had a super, like, meme conversation with Nick from Mobap um, about Screenpresso, kind of ongoing over the past few months since I discovered it. But it's a really good um, application on the computer for screenshots or even, um, like, screen capturing for short videos. Um, easy to edit, super non-intrusive. Like, I use it at work a ton 
but I've even installed it on my home computer because on those rare instances when I want to take a screenshot or something, it's super easy to do and it's just always open in the background, but it's very low resource and it's you don't even notice that it's there. And so ScreenPress is a really, really neat app um, when it comes to those kinds of things. Nice. So those are there my Ricos. There's our recommendations, our Ricos for the week. I'm going to keep saying it that way just to take you off. Oh, okay. So without further ado, well, let's go ahead and hop into our topic at hand, which is American Christianity. And so a quick definition here just out, out the gate. Uh, what we're Christianity talking about, in America. Yes, but what we're talking <laughs> about specifically is how Western and American ideals have influenced and shaped Christianity within America um, in a negative way. I think, I think I'm safe to say that in, in a more negative fashion. And so we're just going to kind of look at how... The dangers how that's, of a more westernized, westernized Christianity. Yeah, and, and just in general, the dangers of when you let culture affect the gospel instead of letting the gospel affect the culture. Yeah, that's good. And so... We'll, we'll be getting into that. And so I'm going to just go ahead and, and hop out here with, I think I think the primary thing I see, and I, I think you agree with me on this, is the issue in America with Christianity, is there are a lot of Christians who would hold their loyalty to America, if not above, at least equal with their loyalty to God. Yep. Yeah. And they see America as the chosen nation of God. They see it as the new Israel instead of the church. Yeah. And so there, there's an intense amount of patriotism. And not that patriotism is a bad thing, but we have to be aware of where our true loyalties should lie. And so there is a, a, a dangerous level. When we're taking holidays, if you can even call them that, and we're taking time to sing songs about our nation or preach about the country, instead of singing songs to bring glory to God and preach his gospel. That's a serious issue. And so by no means am I saying that we shouldn't recognize our troops. By no means am I saying we shouldn't, shouldn't be thankful and grateful for the lives that they've secured for us and by putting their own at risk because we should, but the place for that is not the pulpit. It is not the Sunday morning service that there is a time and there is a place to be respectful. And we should do that 100%. But we have to realize that that's not that's not within the corporate worship service. Does that make sense? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I I, I would totally agree. Um, and I think, like anything, it it has a chance to become an idol, and we have to guard our hearts against that. Uh, patriotism or nationalism, um, love for our country, is is something that can very seems to very quickly become an idol within, um, within the church. And I guess it's, I think that it's dangerous. Um, mostly in that it changes the way that we think about or treat other Christians around the world. And it changes the way we think about or treat, um, other American citizens. What I mean by that is, um, when we, when we are, elevating our country and our love for our country, our loyalty to our country, um, basically to the same level or above our loyalty to the church, then we aren't necessarily treating our neighbors 
the way that we should. And what I mean by that is we are not always, we, we treat them as um, fellow Americans first and sinners second. And I think that that's a dangerous thing to do. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a bond as, and people being from the same culture, being from the same country, but we need to, we need to recognize that the people living around us are not believers and they are sinners who need the gospel. And and we can't ignore that or, or brush that to the side. And at the same well, time, I think we can go ahead. I was just gonna say, and there, there's something to that too. And sorry, I should have let you finish your thought. Cause this is going to totally derail where you were going. I'm sure. But there is this idea that, oh, America is a Christian nation and it will always be a Christian nation and it's our right for it to become Christian or remain Christian. And I think there's just kind of this apathy that comes alongside that that you were speaking of because we go, oh, well, you know, there's no way America's ever going to fall. There's no way that America's ever going to stray all the way from Christianity. It's going to come back. And... I, I think we see just the opposite happening. We see the church rising in other countries across the world, and we see it diminishing within yeah. America. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's definitely true as well. Um, and I could go on about that for a while, but I, I won't. So. Um, what I yeah. what I wanted to add though was when we treat our country as important as we sometimes have a tendency to do. Um, it alienates brothers and sisters in Christ from other places in the world. When, when we're interacting with Christians from from other countries, um, it can it can affect the way that we communicate with them. And I think that we as Christians need to do a better job at realizing that we have more in common with a Christian brother or sister in China than we do with our non-Christian neighbor here in the country. Um, yeah, we have we should have more of a love and more of a camaraderie with them than we should with our our fellow American, uh, because yeah. because we're united in the gospel and we're united in Christ and we should extend our love for them in that and we should be open to including like when we meet foreign Christians, they should feel welcome and at home when they're in the church, and I don't exactly. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and I think another fallout that comes from that too along those lines is when we prioritize the nation or the nationalism or the patriotism in that manner and we, we place it too high we end up and I this happens a lot within the church and you hear a lot of complaints about it you begin to see believers or at least people claiming to be believers saying and and standing more firmly for American quote unquote ideals than for Christian ideals yeah and they become more concerned with, with their rights and their liberties and the way they think America should be run than they are with the gospel and with loving others. And I think a perfect example of that happens when with what we saw after all of the, uh, oh, I'm losing the word, refugees. When, when all the refugees started coming over from the Middle East. And there were a lot of American Christians who were very opposed to that because they're like, no, it's our right to stay safe. We need to, we need to keep these people out. And, you know, sure, there'll be some good people, but there's also probably some bad ones in there. And so, you know, we've got to keep the bad people out. And if that means keeping the good people out too, so be it. And by good and bad, I mean people who intend to do harm and people who don't. Yeah. But, but they were more concerned about safety and comfort that has kind of dominated Western lifestyle than they were about actually loving their neighbors who were in need, which is heartbreaking. And I, I understand the whole argument that it's the job of the government to protect and the government wields the sword. And so if the government's calling for those things, 
fine. The problem was it wasn't the government, it was Christians calling for that. It was Christians, the ones who have been told, you're going to be like sheep to be slaughtered, and yet, because somebody may impose a threat, I'm not going to allow them into a country where I will then have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And, and so instead of seeing it as an opportunity to have Muslims come and hear the love of Christ, they just saw a threat and a danger and ran away. Yeah. And that's, that's just heartbreaking. And that coming from a guy who's still like, like I, it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh yeah, it's easy. It'd be a lot harder for me to open up my home to refugees who I don't know who come from the Middle East and are Muslim and be okay with that because I'd want to keep my wife safe. And so it's, it's, I realize in theory it's much more easy than it is in practice. But at the end of the day, we're called to love even our enemies. And so yeah. even if we are welcoming enemies into our home, I think that's what we've been mandated to do to an extent. Yeah, and I, I think you hit right there on, on something that is what I would say is another huge um, danger within the American church. And that is we can become more um, interested in or... Um, we can prioritize our comfort higher than the gospel or higher than our command, the command from scripture. Um, it, it, oh, yeah. it becomes super easy to, because America is a very comfortable place. Like even our discomfort is more comfortable than most places. And, and we have a lot of freedom and a lot of um, privileges in the, in the country that, uh, really affect our attitude and and our outlook on things. And like you said, we let the culture influence the, the church rather than the church influence the cult- culture. And when that happens, the church becomes focused on comfort as well. And we would rather um, sit around, continue doing the same thing. We don't want to branch out or reach out or do things that are going to be challenging or dangerous or um, like... And, and we're motivated by a lot of things. We, we're motivated by desire to be comfortable we're motivated by fear of rejection we're motivated by fear of of harm um all these different things but i think that we we find it really easy to write off the commands of scripture and and keep ourselves from doing different things that we're called to because it's not comfortable and i think we need to do better at being intentional about yes this may be uncomfortable but it's also what god's called me to and we need to be obedient to that and we need to respond to that in a biblical way. And I, I'm, I'm super guilty of that. I'm super oh, yeah. guilty of, of wanting to stay comfortable and not wanting to go out of my way. I would rather, you know, um, sit at home and play video games or watch Netflix with my wife or go to bed earlier. Like all these different things that I would, I, I would prefer to do. And I, I allow those things at times to keep me from, from serving in the manner that I'm called to. And so oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not trying to point the finger at others. Uh, I'm pointing the finger at myself as well because I'm I'm very guilty of this. Definitely. And I think that in our own lives and the lives of those around us in Western culture, we see that outplaying of, of the words of Christ when he says it's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for the wealthy man to get into heaven. Yeah. Because of that comfort, not because of, of like, I'm trying to think of a good way to word this and not be too offensive and also trying to recognize this is something I struggle with too. We have a lot of, of access to material possessions in America that I think we take for granted. Yeah. Even even those among us who, like you and I, would both be maybe upper lower class, somewhere middle lower class. Like we're, yeah. we're not raking in the dough by any means. 
But we are not living uncomfortable lives not by any all. means either. Not at all. And so, because of that, and because of just the way America is structured, where even people who are um, homeless, which, again, is a tragedy, not trying to make light of that, but they have more access to material goods and material things in America than some higher-class people in other countries. And, again, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges. I understand that. The point I'm trying to make is we have a lot of access to material things, whether we recognize it or not. And because of that, we've become accustomed to comfort, and we've become accustomed to these things. And so it, it is. This is exactly what you said. We see that outplaying of it within Christianity and within the church, even. We see yeah. churches far more concerned with upkeeping buildings or putting on internal events and, and spending money frivolous, frivolously than they are for caring for the orphans and widows around them. And, and again, not to point fingers and not to not to cast blame anywhere because there are many, many churches who do that well. But unfortunately, there are probably just as many who do it poorly. And, yeah. and it's just sad. So so that's, that's where the uh, nationalism and the comfort comes into play. I have one more thing I'm wanting to talk about before we... Okay. wrap up I don't want to beat this horse too long but if there's anything else you want to throw in here about just anything you can think of in general feel free to go ahead and do that so I'll go ahead and launch on mine though to give you a few seconds to think since sure. you know I'm terrible and don't have show notes for you <laughs> not as cool as Logan over at TRG yeah Logan you you promised me a third seat on TRG and then you turned around and offered that seat to Tim Challies and I am grossly offended by that oh boy I want to hear Tim Challies on TRG that could be fun um, after Tim Challies, can we get a heretic instead and get like Joel Osteen on there? That could be fun. So, <laughs> should I call him a heretic? Yeah, I think I'm safe there. Yeah, I think you're safe. There. <laughs> oh, man! Side story time. One of my favorite moments while Mark and I were at Mobath, we were all in the class, and there was a girl who'd come into St. Louis. And if you don't know, Joyce Myers is founded out of St. Louis. Oh, dude! And she had come in. Strictly for the purpose of working with Joyce Myers. Yeah, she was she was not from the St. Louis area. I think she was from like Chicago or something like that. Yeah, and she wanted to be a part of the Joyce Myers team. And we were sitting in the class, and this one dude in the class didn't know that's why she was there. And something came up about about false teaching, and he essentially called Joyce Meyer a heretic, quoting John Piper. And she turns and snaps and looks at him, and she goes, "Are you saying Joyce Myers a heretic?" And he goes. Well, yeah, but John Piper said it first. Yeah. Oh, man. And the whole room so... just went dead silent. Like, we thought she was going to storm out or kill him or something. But she, it was, yeah, it was, that was something. It was pretty great. So, yeah. anyway, okay, off of that. <laughs> that That's another thing that comes out of that comfort is the health and wealth gospel. But very that's been present so. for a very long time, so I don't think we can blame that one on America. No, but it's there's a reason that we see it so predominant in our culture. Definitely. But yeah, so the last thing I can think of, not the last thing I can think of, the last thing I want to draw attention to that I think is a major major drawback of the way that American culture has influenced Christianity within America is the individualistic nature of America has had a strong influence on the church. And so I think that's, that's part of what leads to the mindset of, oh, I, I don't need church, or oh, I just need to go and show up, but I don't really need to be part of the body. Because we're a very individualistic culture. Yeah. We're a very pull-myself-up-by-my-bootstraps and, and march-forward culture and, and society. And so because of that, though, I think, it, I think it's even seeped into the, fact, the point where we fail 
to lead on Christ as much as we should. And again, I think Christians across the globe are guilty of this, but I think there's a, a special danger in America because in our individualistic tendencies, we want to fix things ourselves. We don't, we don't want a savior. We just want some help. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we want to be the ones blazing the trail. We want to be the ones that are doing all the work. And so because of that, it, I think that's part of what makes it very difficult when you get into doctrines of, of predestination and I'm trying to think that's the main one, I guess, that comes to mind right now. Um, but grace alone, faith alone, those types of things, I think that's what makes it difficult there. Because if you're saying that I had nothing to do with this, that goes against everything that America has taught me, where I'm the one who's supposed to be doing everything. Yeah. And again, I realize there have been oppositions to that across the globe, but I think there's a particular danger within our individualistic culture, and it, it, it's sad. Yeah. So. No, I, I 100% agree with you on that. I don't really have much to add to it. Um, yeah, I kind of want to rant about, like, the Americanization of Jesus and how they messed that up. <laughs> Dude, and... Don't get me started on that. I'm the one that, I'm the one that holds the stricter view on the 2CV. <laughs> That's fair. So you really aren't a fan of the ones with Jesus holding the Winchester rifle, then, I'm guessing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I hate those ones, so... <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, the, the only thing I would have I would have brought up was the... Um, the affinity within America for the prosperity gospel, we kind of touched on that a little bit. I think that our desire for comfort, our um, the culture that kind of, you know, we have the American dream, right? Um, that's the big thing with America is come and live the American dream. And I think that a lot of people, either as intentional swindlers or unintentionally misled themselves, have started selling or marketing the American dream as a Christian thing. And, well, and, and dead honest, unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians think that God wants them to live the American dream. Yeah, yeah, you know, I one hundred percent agree. And that's why they flock to that because they're like, oh well, you know, God wants my best, and the best I've seen is the American dream, and so God's going to be nothing but a catalyst towards that. Yeah, and they don't see that as antithetical to the gospel. And I love it. I uh, like love very sarcastically, more more actually hate it. When you hear these people, I'm like, I even heard a guy one time talking about, well, Jesus was rich. And I'm like, really? How do you work that with the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? Yeah. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't see this playing out so well if we're going back to Scripture. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's because we're not getting back to Scripture. Yeah, and absolutely. and that's, that's the entire issue here. When we begin to take our cues from culture and society instead of from Scripture, we are bound to have poor theology we are bound to have poor churches and we are bound to have poor believers yeah and that's because go ahead i was just gonna say because we're drawing from the wrong source what were you gonna say i was gonna say that's that's our application that is that's the remedy to the dangers of a westernized or americanized christianity is scripture going back to the bible first and foremost making making god's word our authority and not our culture the authority And, and that's how we guard against um this attitude that's how we really um, get back to or, or get at what the church is actually called to do and what we as Christians are actually called to do is to go back every single time to the word of God yep 100% solo scriptura yeah and again not solo but solo so scripture alone being our ultimate authority and and that's where we need to head and I think I think that I actually don't think that is like Mark said the solution to all these problems we just listed and 
it's something that I'm encouraged, having stepped more into the Reformed community over the past couple of years, to see occurring there. And it's something that is heartbreaking when you look out into the other communities where that's not occurring. And it's just the the social quo or the the ideals of the day kind of went out. And, and that's, that's heartbreaking to see. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening who are in ministry and faithfully proclaiming the gospel and proclaiming scripture, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the church needs desperately. And that's what America needs desperately. And so just know that is appreciated because I know that's not said enough. But at the end of the day, you're fulfilling your role and being faithful to God, and that's what matters. For sure. So just know that it's appreciated. All right. I don't want to keep beating a a, a dead horse here. So also, I would like to point out, we both gave two recommendations off the cuff. That's why we don't need show notes. (laughs) So suck it, Logan. (laughs) you got to stop using that phrase. (laughs) I like Logan. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah. I'm the one that says inappropriate things about Logan. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> Logan, I hope you caught that. Um, yeah, it's something only so, Logan will get. <laughs> yeah. Apologies to the rest of our listeners. This is how we'll find out if Logan actually listens to our show. <laughs> exactly. But uh, he's quoted this a few times, so if nothing else, he gets excerpts to make us think he listens. Yeah. <laughs> But, all right, so second half, I'm going to do kind of a nerdy all-over-the-place would-you-rather kind of spurred out of the would-you-rather couple questions we had there in the Facebook Live video. So, first one, would you rather only be able to play the underwater levels in video games or never be able to beat the underwater levels in video games? Oh. What on earth? I'm trying to, like... Both I'm thinking them. I'll just never beat him, and whenever I hit an underwater level, I'm just done. Just move to another game. <laughs> I hate underwater anyway, so... Man, yeah, I... Yeah, I think I, as much as that sucks, because I hate not beating games, I would rather, like, if, if I could only play underwater levels, I'm just not going to play games ever again in my life. Yeah, that's like, pretty fair. Yeah. Because there's way too many parts of games that are not underwater. It's such a minimal aspect of most games and they're always terrible they're always bad there's never a good underwater level in a game yeah i can't think of one man i was just so i've been playing super mario 64 again i started playing that again this week and i just beat one of the uh, i beat jolly roger bay which is one of the underwater worlds and one of the three kind of um underwater worlds and i like as i'm playing it I, i mean i I beat it, like, the whole, all seven stars in that world in, like, ten minutes. Like, it doesn't take me long. I know that game super well. I hate it every time. I hate (laughs) Jolly Roger Bay. I hate underwater levels. Like, it's just... You want to know the best thing? What? In the whole world? So, the picture on the Would You Rather question I had pulled up is from that level on Mario From Jolly Roger Bay. (laughs) Yep. Nice. It's Mario underwater there. Nice. So, all right, next would you rather. Would you rather drink a beer with Mary or smoke a pipe with Bilbo? I'll smoke a pipe with Bilbo, for sure. Come on, Mary would be so fun to drink a beer with. He though. would be, but, do you, like, can you, I, see, I'm going to sit down with, with Bilbo smoking a pipe 
and I'm going to freaking listen to him just tell the Hobbit to me. Like, it would be awesome. Drink a beer with Gandalf or smoke a <laughs> pipe with Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, it's not so easy anymore, I'm still, I'm still gonna. I'm still going to smoke a pipe with Bilbo. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. All right, next What about one. you? You're not going to answer I, No. I already answered the first one. So for the second one, I think I'd rather have a beer with Mary because I think that would just be a blast. Yeah. That's fair. So I would have a lot of fun with that. I just want to hang so, out with hobbits for a day. Like, can I just do that? Can we just live there forever? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so would you rather have to spend a day with and not kill Jar Jar Binks or a Rathar? Rathtar. The Rathar is the insane thing yeah. that was trying to kill them on the Millennium Falcon. You were telling our listeners that, not me, right? Yes. Okay, I'm like, because I know this. <laughs> um, oh, dude. Goodness, I guess Jar Jar Banks, because at least Jar Jar's not going to try to kill me himself. Like, a Rathtar is going to try to kill me. And yeah, if but I Jar Jar may accidentally kill you. <laughs> I'll spend, so, I'll spend a day with Jar Jar Binks, and then at the end of that day, I'll kill him. Yeah, I think I'd rather spend a day with Jar Jar, too. <laughs> so, as much as I dislike Jar Jar, he's not the worst anymore because we got yeah. Rose. Yeah, that's true. Would you rather spend a day with Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne? Tony Stark. I, I love yeah. Bruce Wayne. I love Batman. Tony Stark would... Who knows what you're going to do in that day? Like Exactly. That would be fun. Like, Tony's just insane. Yeah. Plus, you could probably figure out how to use most of Tony's gadgets. Yeah. They're a little more user-friendly. Yeah, and and on top of that, Tony's not secretive. Like, Bruce Wayne is is secret about being Batman. That's true. Tony Stark is not secretive about being Iron Man. So, So. for sure, yeah, Tony Stark. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm making up half of these on the fly, so they may not be as good as others. Would you rather, assuming you learn programming... Work at your favorite studio, but only during crunch time, or have a best-selling game idea that no one will ever make. Oh goodness! Yes, I'd rather I'd rather actually work and do crunch time because at least something's being accomplished. Like I'd rather I'd rather do that than just have an idea that's never gonna come to fruition. After reading Blood, Sweat, and Pixels and reading how terrible Crunch is, <laughs> I think I'd rather get a job somewhere else. I'll have a great game idea, and they just don't have to make it. So, at least that's my thoughts Yeah. on the topic. Um, yeah, that that's what I had. I didn't have a whole ton here, but we're going to end with the last one. The last one, this one's going to get into a lot of discussion for us, so that's why it's the last one. Okay. Would you rather... Face Darth Bane <laughs> or Darth Revan? Face? Yeah, you're fighting them now. Suck on that. Uh. I did say Darth Revan. Yeah. So if you're thinking, oh, I can get Revan to not kill me, don't count on it. Alright, so I'm going to say Darth Bane, and here's why. Because I'm dying no matter what, right? Like, against Revan or Bane, I'm going to die. 
I would f- I would rather die at the hand of Bane. Just see, just because it's Bane I would, and he's awesome. I would pick Bane, and here's why. He would have no reason to kill me. If my death is pointless, he wouldn't actually kill me. <laughs> That's fair. He does. He's very specific about that. He does not kill unless it's needed, unless it serves a purpose. Yep. So, ha, the student has become the master. <laughs> I knew more about Bane than you. Okay. We can, so, we can pretend that's the case. Yeah, really, really quickly here in the remaining time we have. Bane in his prime, Revan in his prime. We're going to have to rebrand this as like a, a Star Wars podcast if we keep going back here. No, we don't have to rebrand it. This is just a little free yeah. additive. Um, the Would You Rathers was the nerdy part. Yeah. This is the extra bonus nerdy part. This is the bonus of the episode. Because I really wanted to talk about this, because I, I told Mark we weren't going to, so I could bait him into it. Sure. Okay. Um, no, Bane and his prime beats Revan. I still stand on that. I'm not convinced, just because of the power that Revan was able to wield with the Force. And so, without... Uh, potential spoilers. If you're reading, go ahead yeah. and stop now and pick up in a few minutes. I'm going to give you another second here to stop listening. Because of the way that Bane dies, and his weakness was the Force, and the way he almost died right before that with the Aethorian, it is clear that Bane's armor, if it's overcharged with the Force, will actually basically implode and poison him and kill him. That's it's specifically the electricity he learned like okay. Orbalisk's weaknesses and, is electricity. And when Revan faces Darth whatever her name is that I can't think of now, crazy sorcerer's chick. Yeah. And just Nyrus. zaps her straight to ash. I think we see that Revan through wielding the dark and the light side of the force is capable of putting out a stupider amount of force lightning than any Sith has ever been capable of. So because of that, and because of the fact that Bane gets in his blood rage, I don't know, I think man. Revan has so, a fighting chance. First off, I don't think... I think we see Bane put out almost the same level of Force Lightning himself whenever he's fighting um, the Huntress and all of her people. She, he, like, chain lightning kills a ton of people and just chars them to ash. like they. That's fair. Bane is super strong. Disintegrate into ash. But that's but he's not great at repelling it. Like he's he can catch it with his blade, but that's about it. But, he doesn't have the ability like Revan does. Like that's what makes Revan stronger. Bane shoots one of those bolts. Revan catches it and fires it right back at him. But Bane, like, so here's the thing. And, and yes, Mister Monk. So you've <laughs> you've <laughs> you've read a lot more Old Republic stuff now, and are kind of familiar with just the way the Old Republic functions, right? Yes. So. One thing that comes up constantly, an, an attack like that, something something in that um, range of power takes a. They have to build up the energy to do something like that. There's a there's and a. You don't think Revan would have the time? There's a reason when Bane fights people, you never see him take the time to do that. He doesn't care. He's going to fight a different way because he's going to fight quickly. Every single time Bane fights, he fights qu- aggressively. And he doesn't. He doesn't take the time to do that. And in doing so, he doesn't allow whoever he's facing to take the time to do that. And so, I don't think that Revan would get a chance. That's fair. I can see that. So here's the next question: One beefy Bane or one Binksy boy? What? 
One beefy Bane or one Binksy boy? Who wins? One Binksy boy? Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks is going to fight Darth Bane? <laughs> because he is the true master. Okay. <laughs> this is another instance of Darth Bane's not going to kill somebody who's not worth his time. So <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think he may make an exception for George <laughs> If he spent a few minutes with him, maybe. I think he would realize there is purpose. And it is he would revel in death so much he would grow way stronger. Yeah. Yeah, I oh. can see that. I, so as Luke has now finished the Darth Bane trilogy, and he has finally agreed with me that Bane is the most epic. Uh, I still think I prefer Xana. Xana's a beast. But Zana's even awesome. in that, even Xana's greatness, you have to attribute that to Bane himself because it was his you idea. Do. Like Bane he is the one that pushed her down the road of the Force sorcery. He, he did, is the one who trained the her one who, in the defensive style, and he wanted her to be better than him. Like that's his whole purpose with the Rule of Two. She, when he trains his apprentices, he wants them to best him because that's the, that's the goal. He wants the Sith to come out stronger than when he started it. Yeah. And I still don't know that Zana in her prime and Bane in his prime, I don't think Zana wins that fight. See, the only reason I think she does is because she's been trained to fight defensively. She can thwart off Bane's attacks. Like, she's not attacking, so his, his armor doesn't matter there. Because she's just going to be on the defense anyway. She's not going to be looking to counter a parry. She didn't do that when she fought him anyway. But even in that, like, when Bane has his Orbalisk armor, he fights without any qualm like he doesn't he's not even prepared to defend himself he doesn't care he knows he's going to be protected and so i think exactly. if he was fighting like that because she almost gets so even when he's not fighting like that and he's old and tired and being consumed by the dark side he she gets she almost dies when he really starts going at her like like i told you yet last yesterday like i love the way that uh, the author writes like, I love how taken aback and startled Zana is whenever she actually faces him, because she realizes how much he's been holding back when training her, and he just goes yeah. absolutely insane. And that's fair and all, but I still think like with that final four sorcery tricks she used. So hopefully, if if you tuned out for spoilers, you're still tuned out. <laughs> um. With the with the one that is the pure dark side, like the yeah. pure essence of the dark side, I think if that touched his armor, like if she could manage to conjure that up and touch him with it, and it was obvious he didn't know what it was because he just slashed wildly at it, and I think she could have. I think that would have done far more than lightning ever did to his armor. I think it would have just insta-popped him because there would have been such a surge of the dark side. But see, that's still just a maybe, like... And, then, and your and, whole idea that she couldn't defend herself is a maybe. Like, would she struggle with it? Yes. I think that's what it boils down to, <laughs> is the first two minutes of the fight. And I already told you this, but I'll, I'll tell our listeners. If Bane can dispatch her in the first few minutes, he win. He wins. Like, obviously, because she's dead. If he can't pull that off, which I think, again, I think there are high odds that he could, just because he's freaking Bane. But if he couldn't, and she managed to survive... I think she would win long term because she'd be able to do exactly what she did and use her, her Sith sorcery to take him down. Fair. So. Even in I'm also slightly curious as to how well he would have been able to repel the mind attack when he was in the rage because of the armor. Like, he was not in control of his mind at that point. So I kind of wonder what would have happened with that. Yeah, like, I, I feel know. like it would have driven him into a rage to attack his nightmares and he just would have gone insane. 
So here's the other thing with that, like going back to you know the pure dark side tendrils that she creates. Um, saying like if if you were to say they were fighting, he had his orbalisk orbalisk armor in that moment. We don't know he's like. Well, let's write frickin' Duke Kripishin and ask him out. So, so, the thing, like, the Orbalisks thrive on dark side energy. That's what makes them powerful. That's what but when they engorge on it, like they did with the lightning, it causes them to die. But was that them engorging on the dark yeah, side energy? Yeah, that's or specifically was, what it says. Is it the dark side energy, or is it just the electricity? It's the, it's the dark side energy. That's okay. what the book says. They gorge too much on the dark side energy. Okay. And that's what caused them to pop. That's fair, though. So, I'd also like to point out that if it wasn't for Xana, Dane would be freaking dead. So, like, she saved his butt hardcore. Yeah. Bane, Bane would be dead a lot of times if he wasn't a little lucky. Like, he had a habit for overestimating his strength and getting himself into some sticky situations. That said, I will not deny that he is one of, if not the greatest, Sith of all time. Yes. And that's all so, I wanted. <laughs> I will give you that. I still think Xan is a contender up there, but he is definitely up there too. Yeah. So, all right, we'll quit boring you guys with, with Star Wars rants. Talk. Yep. But I think our most of our fans appreciate it. So, if you guys have topics you want covered, if you have things, if you think we need to start using show notes, let us know <laughs> in the Facebook group. Luke still won't um, do it, but. No, but you can at least give the recommendation for me to ignore. So, um, but you can hit us up at air204podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up in the air204podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at air204podcast. Listen to us on iTunes. Make sure you drop us a rate. We are on Spotify now. Yes. So if you want to listen to us that way, you can. I know there are some people who listen who prefer to do it offline, and that'll make that a little bit easier if you have the Spotify premium. Yeah, you can download it, so... Make sure you drop us a rate if you like us, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.